Hello and welcome to You Don't Know Lit. My name is Nick Argyris and this week I'm looking for the best book named No Friend But the Mountains. <laughs> to help me are two high school English teachers, Ian and Joe. Hi, Nick. My name's Joe Holshue. I wasn't looking for a book called No Friend But the Mountains this week, but I am looking for the best book written from prison with a smuggled in cell phone. Um, is that is that something that we can do this week? I think so. What's up, guys? I'm Dr. Ian DeYoung. I'm a high school English teacher. <laughs> this week. What was the ju- what did I miss? What was there was nothing funny there. Oh, no, there will there be. Was. There will be. Uh, I want to get you guys all all down, all down and out. So I brought, as uh a one can only do at such a time, I brought No Friend But the Mountains, the oh, that's Victoria perfect. Prize winning oh, uh nonfiction book by prisoner poet Beruz Bukhani. And the deal is he smuggled this book out of his prison via text message. May your earlobes turn into assholes and shit on your shoulders. Hey, the plot doesn't fucking matter at all. This is what I think it's about. If you look closely (laughs) enough, every author was at some point a racist. Audiobooks don't count, right? All art is quite useless. (laughs) Who who told you that? Fun fact, that is how Joe laughs. I'd like to welcome the Victoria Prize to the show. Yeah. I think this is our first Victoria Prize winner, which I can only assume is, assume is given by Queen Victoria herself. Is that is well, that correct? What they do is they have her dead, like her her, her mummified hand. And, mm-hmm. Well, both of them, as a matter of fact. And they kind right. of hold the prize between them <laughs> and then just sort of fork it at the winner of the prize. It's very right. gruesome, but it is the richest Australian prize, uh, literature prize. It's like 125000 Australian dollars, which is like... 500,000 American dollars or for sure because things are bigger down there that big of a cash prize it's a big cash prize mm-hmm. it's it's like like as I say it's it's the biggest just, one f- yeah we've but discussed that's a lot of money. This, that that there are book awards and us normal people don't often think about the enormous cash prize that goes along with it <laughs> they don't put that in the headline for some reason we might <laughs> we might think about that when our mm. our our butler book does win um, <laughs> I, I don't think we're eligible for the Victoria Prize. No, no. Unless it's, it's, one of us goes yes. to Australia. But, uh, Pulitzers, <laughs> Mr. Pulitzer, Mr. Nobel, you know? Yeah. Do they Very also well. have uh, mummified hands? Right. Secretly, that's that's basically all you need for a good prize is the mummified hands of the person who established it. It's really Very the relic establishes a lot of like the credibility of the prize. It's relics. Right? Exactly. Yeah, they are relics. Uh, well, welcome, Litheads, to an abbreviated episode of You Don't Know Lit, a weekly, or as we call it, Strongly Podcast, where strongly typically podcast. every week I uh, pick a theme or a genre, and Ian and Joe bring a book recommendation, but sometimes we get lazy and we just do one book, um, and we, we call do. those cop-out episodes, so welcome. Mm-hmm. That's um, good. I like how yeah. Nick is saying it's an abbreviated episode, because he doesn't know that yet. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> well, we'll see about that. I have... I, I have decided since this book is about a prison to kind of lock you guys in a several hour long recording prison with me. I'm going to start talking and I'm not going to stop. It's going to be a real form follows function sort of thing. Great. Does this podcast ever feel like a prison? <laughs> not enough bars. Great. Well, I look forward to sharing the rules. Uh, rule number one, only unavoidable spoilers, please gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rule number two, omit needless words, Joe. Omit needless words, Joe. And rule number three, only winning matters, which doesn't matter <laughs> on this episode. 
Because we're all winners, right? I Ian? think you'll find that I'll, I think you'll find that Berus Bokani is going to win this episode, and the loser. Well, right. that remains to be seen, but I think the concept of imprisonment is probably going to lose. All right, but just give me the give me the back of the cover. What's this book about? Uh, okay, this, front of the no, front. No, back, back of, the, of cover. the book. Back of the back of the back of the cover is usually white. Usually nothing on front, the back of the cover. On the back, the back cover, of the cover, right? Because the back of the cover, yeah, that's white. Yep. Okay, walk us through. We got a video check on what's on the back of the cover. The back of the cover, there are several quotes. Ooh, <laughs> no, blurbs. that's the back of the book. Please read it. Let's just move on. <laughs> oh, the back of the cover has um this wow from the oh. library. Lit heads, it's an actual slip from a real library. It punched, is, and it's got punched by it, a librarian. It's got this library himself. punch card that um, let me just give the Leadheads a word picture here. It says return July 24, 2019. And the R and the D. I can see it. The R and the D of returned are like brackets that wow. kind of bracket off the date. It's very well designed. And, I don't know if um, wow is the right word for that. So are you but, the first person to read this book from your library since July of 2019? <laughs> yes. Wow. And that's not that surprising. There are when I was doing my when I was doing my my uh PhD research at this very same library where I got this book. Uh, I was delighted to check out books that hadn't been checked out for literally a hundred years. Yeah, that's pretty great. That was it a must... good feeling. I, that really felt like I was doing relevant research. <laughs> <laughs> do you think they really well, like you at this library or do you think they hate you at this library? Like, do you think they're like, oh, there's oh, that ba- they, bow tie wearing top knot boy again? <laughs> me. Yep, it's true. Um, but not for checking out this book because this book is a bestseller and stuff. So um, the front cover. This is a uh, that wonderful segment where we do verbally describe something which is designed to be uh, an image-based form. Um, but it's an important part of this show, and I wouldn't take it mm-hmm. away. So this book begins with our our primary speaker, um, Bukhani himself. He is in Indonesia, and he's trying to get to Australia. Um, he has left um, his home country of Iran because Iran is um, uh, not a friend of his sort of art he makes art and he makes film and he makes poetry and he's kind of a radical politician and or a political figure. And, and so he gets chased down by the Iranian uh, secret police. So he goes to Indonesia, he's trying to get to Australia and instead of getting there, he is captured and held in detention center centers. Um, instead of being shipped back to Indonesia or to Iran, they just put him in these kind of holding spaces. Most of the book is set on Manus Island uh, which is uh, an island off the coast of Papua New Guinea. Um, and while he's there, he is in prison. He's observing the prison system. He's observing his fellow prisoners, the native inhabitants of the island, the natural world around him. One of the kind of defining characteristics of this book is everyone gets a name, which is not their name because he changes names to protect the innocent. Prison names. Yeah, these are prison names. These yeah. are names that kind like of describe their characters. So there's one guy who's very kind of like, raunchy and and uh performative and so they call him my Sam the whore there's another guy who's super nice <laughs> okay. and kind and just like never he's like a pacifist they call him the gentle giant there's some stuff that's kind of like your classic prison situation the descriptions of you know the the dreadful conditions and so on and so forth but um Bukhani is particularly particularly interested in the psychological elements of this imprisonment um, and especially a prison sentence that you 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 were not like sentenced and mm-hmm. you have no no kind of parole date there's no no date no no end to your 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 sentence there right this is like uh this is an indefinite 
detention. So is this like yeah. Guantanamo Bay? Like, is that it's the, basically like the Australians Guantanamo Bay, except for like, as I understand it, the U S puts like terrorists or people we think are terrorists in yeah. Gitmo. And this is just people who are trying to escape, you know, oppressive regimes and get on boats and nearly die in storms. And then the Australians yeah. are like, cool, we caught you. Good news. We're not sending you back. Bad news. We're putting you on a bug infested, uh, Island prison where the toilets flow ankle deep urine. Right. And these are Australian bugs. It must be. So, well, Papua New Guinea bugs or Manus Island bugs, which are there. It's not like a fly, you know, no, or if it's it is not a, fly, like a fly, it has like fangs and lays eggs inside of you. Um, I did bring a game this week and this might be a good time to mm. do it before we get totally into Ian's book. Uh-huh. Let's do okay. it. Okay. Yeah. I think that sounds good to maybe break up uh the uh whatever Ian just said <laughs> in between the next thing he's gonna say about urine. <laughs> I promise you there's very little urine left in the rest of what I have to say today. Yeah, we believe you. You've squeezed um, most of it out. Oh. Oh god. <laughs> All right, I brought a game. It's called Nick. <laughs> Have they written from prison? And what this game is, is I'm going to give you somebody's name. I okay. think in every case you are going to know the name. Um, I, th- I think you, you two will know the names. We'll find out. These. And yeah. all you have to tell me is, did they write a piece of work? So a book or a song or something like that while they were in prison. That's the game. Just a, a yes or no? Just a yes or a no. A yes or a no. Interesting. Are we going to learn something along the way? I You're going to learn are. something along sure. the way. There's yeah. a few fun facts in here just embedded Ooh. into the game. A little bit of secret learning. And um, importantly... Anything to do with the book at all? Or? Uh, well, nah. see, like this prison, book... Prison. Prison's a connection. Prison book. Okay. Well, this book, okay. as Ian has so, no. said, <laughs> and as he's going to continue to say, was written from prison. <laughs> okay. Yep. Uh, all right. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, I'd like to alternate between the two of you. So like you will have a chance to win a prison buck, right? If you get it correct, you get a prison buck. Oh, if you don't get it correct, Maybe instead of prison zero. bucks, it could be um, cigarettes. Uh, well, so. it's the, prison cigarettes. Rate. Um, you have to buy the cigarettes in the commissary. They cost $28 a pack. Okay. Oh boy. How much, uh, hey, how much does prison wine cost? Prison wine is um, like toilet made in wine. toilets, yeah, and you have to oh, negotiate. See, to his, that's more of his a bathroom system. humor again. He's taking it back there. So <laughs> I don't think it's anything humorous about taking a break from wine, that. Remember, okay. we discussed it. All right, okay. two and a half minutes ago. For one prison buck, Nick, <laughs> have they written from prison? Nick, Martin Luther King Jr., has he written from prison? Okay, well, we're starting off easy because I think we just covered this like two weeks ago. So yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yes, he has. Nick, Nick, give yourself a prison buck. Congratulations. Martin Luther King Jr., of course, composed letters from Birmingham jail uh, from prison. Ian then brought a longer version of that book called... Hmm. Why We Can't Wait. What called Why We Can't Wait. Nick, congratulations. You have you. a prison buck. Um, we're going to go to another easy one over here. Uh, Ian DeYoung, Adolf Hitler, has he written from prison? No, you piece of shit. <laughs> what do you guys think he's a Nazi dictator? He can't write from prison. Um, Ian, did he, he did he write Mein Kampf in he prison? He did re- oh, write Mein Kampf dang. in prison. Yeah. Um, and he wow. began it while he was waiting trial for a failed coup attempt in Munich. He wrote it specifically to pay for the expenses that he incurred during his trial, uh, but it didn't sell many copies. Until he became the dictator of Germany, at which point it sold a lot of copies, guys. Right. All right. So I think he got over $100,000 for that. 
Nick, you have a prison buck. Uh, Ian, you have zero. Okay, Ooh. Nick, um, Shell Silverstein. You're going to be my bitch by the end of this game, Ian. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, do you know who you. Shell Silverstein is? I'd like is? to buy Ian. <laughs> uh, Shell Silverstein. He is um, a yeah, poet. He wrote totally. like, A Light in the Attic. He, mm. he wrote like children's poems. Yeah, okay. Uh, Shell Silverstein is the question. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Okay. <laughs> I thought you were going somewhere with that. Um, uh, I don't know anything about him, so I'm going to say yes. Oh, Ian, thoughts? No. Uh, well, since I heard no. you say, oh, then I know, I know that the answer is no. He did not. Yeah, it's so Shel Silverstein is one of these guys that has a lot of like um, urban legends around him, right? Like a lot of myths around Shel Silverstein. Um, he wrote. Where the Sidewalk Ends, he wrote Light in the Attic, which are kind of these famous collections of kind of um, sing-songy, slightly irreverent poems for children. Um, But he did lead a very blue life, right? Like he lived in the Playboy Mansion for a little while. He also wrote um, A Boy Named Sue for Johnny Cash. He is the Mm -hmm. writer of A Boy Named Sue. Um, Classic Silverstein situation. There's a lot of rumors flying around there that Shel Silverstein did, in fact, write from prison. They are just rumors. Shel Silverstein Ooh. never did jail time. So, um, Ian. In case you're wondering, Ian. Yep. Yeah, no, All right. I know. Um, Ian, I've got one for you. Yeah. Oscar yeah. Wilde. Has Oscar yes. Wilde ever written from prison? Wow, that was fast. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, well, because I know he went to prison, and I know he wrote a lot, and he couldn't keep his mouth shut about things that he cared about. And I think he probably cared a lot about being in prison or maybe more about not being in prison. So I'm going to say, yes, absolutely. He probably wrote a long thing from prison. It was very witty. Not only did he write a (laughs) long... Was it witty, Joe? For an extra prison buck, was it witty? (laughs) (laughs) Not only was it a long and witty thing, it was specifically kind of an argument for why he should no longer be in prison. Um, there should no, be more prison books. I mean, I guess maybe a lot of them are. I bet there's a ton, Ian. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A few um, people are like, you know what? I'm in prison and I deserved it. I should do my time, pay my debt to right. society. Those are called letters to judges. <laughs> <laughs> a letter to listen. my parole board. Yeah. Um, so I'd never heard of this. It's called De Profundis. Apparently, the first half of it is a describing all of the, quote, indecent relationships that put him in prison in the first place. I can only assume that means homosexual relationships. Um, And the second half is all about how he found Jesus Christ while he was in prison. And therefore, he has learned his lesson. Interesting. Just a couple of these left. Johnny Cash. Nick, Johnny Cash. Has he written from prison? All right. I think this is a trick question because he's definitely performed in prisons, right? Mm-hmm. Let's just let's just outline some We've facts. We've seen the yeah. Joaquin Phoenix movie. Yes, he's mm-hmm. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> he's performed from prison. And I feel like, Ian, he's trying to trick us with those rules up top being like a book or something else. So I feel mm-hmm. like maybe he wrote like a song for the first time or it was like a live performance. I'm going to say yes to your trick you're, I'm going to well, say yes to your say, deception. I would say that he he admits on the record to shooting a man mm. in Reno just to watch him die. Right. Um, incidentally, my hometown. And the police were not going to let that slide, I'm sure. So he probably went to prison <laughs> and probably yeah, he, wrote about yeah, it. Yeah, he, he admitted it. So Johnny Cash right, to prison. in his lifetime went to jail 
nine different times. Mm. Every single time, it was just overnight, though. He never had a prison stay, and he never wrote from prison. Wait, are you really disambiguating between jail and prison, Joseph? Well, no, no. the question is, did he write? Did he write from Uh, there? He wasn't there very long was the reason for the disambiguation. Mm -hmm. Probably just to sleep off his alcohol. Eh, Maybe just one more of these. Um, Ian, Martha Stewart. <laughs> oh gosh! Yes, you, you know For what? Sure. That's exactly the 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 uh, poor kind of choice you would expect from um, right. no noted uh, insider trader um, <laughs> Martha and 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 associate of Snoop Lion Martha Stewart. So I'm going to say yes, she did. And furthermore, it was probably about as tasteless as well, I was going to say Hitler's, but I'll go ahead and say Oscar <laughs> Wilde's. <laughs> oh, I mean, um, I'm not going to go that far. So I think I won. Uh, well, it, you, you first of all, you were wrong. Martha Stewart did not write from prison. So. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. No, oh, she did have a typewriter. I she, I'm I, sure she did. She had a typewriter, it says, um, in her prison cell, which makes it me feel like she did Wait, not she serve she had the, writing implements and she didn't write? She wrote to oh. family and friends. Oh, my God. This game is in question right now. <laughs> she wrote yeah. to family and friends. Okay, just another, a few more quick just books from prison. Let's move on. Um, Johann Sebastian Bach wrote a book of keyboard exercises from prison. Nelson Mandela wrote Conversations with Myself, kind of a snippet of like poems and things like that while he was in prison. Also mm. written from prison, Don Quixote, um, La Morte d'Arthur, The Prince by Machiavelli. Napoleon wrote his memoirs. Uh, Henry David Thoreau wrote Civil Disobedience from prison uh, while he was there refusing to play Polt pay poll taxes gandhi and marco polo all wrote some of their most famous books from prison so right in from prison pretty marco, good was company. marco polo just the rules to the game <laughs> step one close your eyes <laughs> i learned this when i was swimming in a f- two feet of piss <laughs> in a pool. first find a pool if you can't find step a pool two, make a pool it. All right, so this guy texted the book. Is that the most interesting thing about this book? What if he didn't text it? Would we even be here talking about this book? Uh, well, it's an interesting question because definitely, definitely, definitely the reason I kind of followed up on this book was because I found out it was texted and that was how it was transmitted. But I think this would um, this would uh, remain as a as a colossal work in the genre of prison literature, even if it hadn't been texted. The fact is, it was texted. Um, it was sent through WhatsApp. That's why I said WhatsApp guys at the beginning. Um, yeah, that's the joke. On that's that. one of those I jokes that it. takes 20 minutes to get to the punch. <laughs> yep, the, uh, AKA the best kind is called foreshadowing. Um, so <laughs> I've, I can't remember, forward. I can't remember where I found this book, like some rabbit hole took me to this book. Well, mm-hmm. no, it wasn't. I wasn't browsing the library. I just don't. But some there was some connection where I was like, oh, boy, I've got to read that book. And it's been on my shelf to bring to the podcast for literal years. Um, so I'm super happy we get to finally talk about it. He wrote this in Farsi, which is the Persian language that they speak in Iran. He is uh, Iranian by birth um, and uh, a poet and an author, uh, was a poet and an author in Iran. Um and he he had a phone smuggled to him in prison and he kept it hidden. He talks in 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 the book about like what happens if they catch you with a phone. 
Um, obviously, he is doesn't good content. good things or right. Yeah, they're like you know what they throw a party. Way for to you. go! You get to go to Australia now. Congratulations! <laughs> With you that get kind the innovation of ins- achievement, innovation, award. yeah, dedication. That's what we want. Amazing. You know, they beat. There's a lot of beating uh, no, or, or privation. Oh, <laughs> um, right, dark. Right. So this that is makes more dark. Sense. This is this is not just texted. Um, he, he, by the way, he also did co-direct a film via WhatsApp. I still don't know how he did that, but that's what? amazing. Yes. I, d- hmm. I don't understand. That These kids, they can like do an anything workflow. via WhatsApp today. They do their homework I, I, here in WhatsApp. They direct their films via WhatsApp. They escape yeah. from prison via WhatsApp. Uh, since Bukhani is a poet, um, this book involves a lot of wordplay. And since it's translated from Farsi to English, some of that wordplay kind of gets lost in translation. Sure, yeah. So there are a ton of footnotes throughout this. And they kind of like, it gives you this weird vibe as you read it because the book insists on its fragility, I think. It is a book, like a lot of books, especially more popular books that we read, it seems like this, it's not that surprising, this, this, your Stephen King's, your John Grisham's, your Daniel Steele's, like the, there is a pretty, a pretty, uh, a pretty robust line, a pretty thick line between author and publication. If it's, if they write it, it's going to get published. But you think about all the coincidences that had to work out perfectly, all the things that had to fall into perfect place in order for this thing to be in my hands, that it's a pretty, it's a pretty big, it's a pretty big undertaking. Um, lots of, lots of wordplay, lots of puns, lots of little kind of double meanings. Do you get it all? <laughs> the, so obviously not on the first try, but a lot of, a lot of these footnotes are really good. So the, the, the guy who translated it did a really, really solid job explaining some of these footnotes are kind of longer, but he's like, Hey, so here's the Farsi word that Bukhani is using. And here's the three different things it could mean. And then it doesn't just leave it there. He says, by including these three different meanings, he's making, he's making a comment on this larger situation. Yeah. It's uh, good. Is it a drag Ian? So wait, it it, so it's like spark notes are built right into like, yeah, yeah. It comes it's with basically. Its own yeah. Somebody explaining the jokes. <laughs> kind of, kind of, or, yeah. or, or the clever bits that you might not, not otherwise get. And as, right. as a certified dum-dum, I'm always happy for, for options. <clears> the double and triple entendres. Yeah. Um, mm. I think, so you ask if this is, if this book is a drag, I think this book is not the kind of thing that I sit down and read in one sitting. Kind mm-hmm. of like you don't sit down and, and watch like binge watch Black Mirror. You know? Yeah, it's too heavy. Like it's great. Yeah. You love the episodes, but it one a night is plenty. One chapter at a time. Thank you very much. Yeah, you got to kind of sit with them. And, and mm-hmm. added to that, like this is this is there. There's you know there's there's riots, there's adventures, there's danger, there's like uh, prison breaks, and um, there's like evil guards, and there's heroic inmates, and there's mm-hmm. like internecine warfare mm-hmm. and stuff. So it's it's entertaining, but that's not yeah. the point really. Yeah, so, so what is what is the premise of this book? What's the point of the book? So well, I guess you big, explain the premise. What's the what a, happens though in the in the Yeah, a, a big a big part of it is he believes um that this is thoroughly unjust. That gotcha. this sort of indefinite detention thing. And he says it's not just like um a, a judicially, you know, off base because it's morally wrong and it's not just that they're keeping them keeping these prisoners, these people prisoner in a place that's kind of like sort of nice clean not cushy but you know um it's a place to stay you know uh, four hots and a cot he's like this is brutal there's 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 isolation there's a, a very hostile like uh, uh environment bugs and humidity and and sickness and 
Um, people aren't really washed that well and the food mm-hmm. is bad. Um, and the people in there are from all walks of life. They're really normal people. So um, he's trying to emphasize kind of people in between. They have no home. They can't have any forward movement. Well, this is Go kind ahead, of Jim. interesting because like, you know, like normally when we think of prison books, we think that bad people are in prison. But this like yes. obviously isn't the case. These are just like people who are trying to move, who get picked up like kind of like stateless people almost. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that, yep. that, this, that the system kind of doesn't know what to do with. Like, we can't send him back home. We can't, it, like, send him to where he wants to go. So here he is. But then, yeah, like like you said, it's just normal people that are there with him. Right, and I think I think one of the interesting things is that there are, there are some, like, in this book, there are plenty of, like, not cool, like, kind of gross people who are in prison. Yeah. But his point is, like, even if you're, you know, dreadfully cruel or selfish. That's like the biggest sin in prison, in this prison. Oh, yeah. Stealing from each other, hoarding stuff. He mm-hmm. talks about this guy who cuts, always cuts in line at the food line uh, and nobody kind of like, wow. nobody gives him I, Is guff. everybody scared of him? Like, is so he a it's bully? That, it, it's that bad that <laughs> the prisoners band together. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. But they're like, well, this is unbelievable. We got to stick together, guys. <laughs> it's, it's, that guy is budding. That guy took two corn cakes. <laughs> Close similarities between middle school and prison. Um, yes. These are, these are mostly normal people. basically your enthusiasm, but in prison. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like it. I, I bet it's These not. are Sorry. normal people in yes. abnormal circumstances. And that yeah. means some of them are responding badly. Um, there are fights and violence and stuff. Gotcha. So this is basically Mexico-Texas border, but better because it's just adult men and not women and children and families being divided. Okay, keep going. <laughs> right. There, there are no, there, there are no, so it is uh, kind of a hopeful book in terms of like, you could, you know, if you were comparing it to like the news or something <laughs> <laughs> better than the news, I, I, I'm better not sure than the news. I'm not sure he would agree. Uh, maybe he okay. would say it, it should be on the news, but, um, I haven't uh, read the book. <laughs> yes. So I know it might, it's probably not. This the thing about this book is like we say we say it sounds like a bummer. It sounds like um ingest. It sounds better than the news, but like it sounds it sounds like a downer. And they're like I, I decided when I when I talked about it, like to talk about not really like giving you a laundry list of all the dreadful stuff that happens because that's kind of I mean, he does that. And if you want to hear about it, you should read the book. Um, fair enough. This is a downer. It, the system is brutal and human brutal and inhuman it makes people into kind of their worst selves there's violence on people's bodies and minds and souls but Mm. but there is there is an inspiring kind of hopefulness to it because i mean it's a cliche but the irrepressible human spirit it's the triumph of the human spirit like I think the title of this is so evocative. Like, what a great title this is. No Friend But the Mountains. Do you know much about it, Ian? Um, he's, he's talking about the mountains that surround him. Okay. Is he, is he Kurdish? Do you know? You, I know you said he's like yes. from Iran. He's wanted. Yes. So apparently this is, I, I, in the very limited research I did for this week, this is a Kurdish proverb. Right. Like this, this phrase, like we have no friends, but the mountains and the Kurds themselves have this history of being like this kind of semi stateless ethnic minority. Mm -hmm. Like they get Mm -hmm. kicked around a little bit and they say like in their culture, hey, we Kurds, we have no friends, but the mountains, which is like 
kind of kind of dismal. Like, let's start there. Like, oh, my yeah. God. Can you imagine if that was your like national anthem? Like we have no friends but the <laughs> mountains. But at the same time, like it also shows a lot of like resilience, I think yeah. self-reliance where, you know, where it's kind of like, hey, we got no friends but the mountains. It's on us. You know, nobody's coming yeah. to help us. Does he escape? <laughs> Does he get out? You said no spoilers. Do you want me to spoil it? No. <laughs> like, it's one of those stories that's so compelling. Even if you read the book and you're like, hey, I, I hated actually reading this book. The story is just so compelling. It's like, yeah, you should probably read. It. <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of nuts. <laughs> right. Right. And, and he, you know, he's got a, a brilliant command of the language, um, a brilliant command of language. Uh, the translation is a really kind of uh, fluent, crisp translation. There's there's poetry. There's sections of poetry in this. Don't worry, I'm not going to read any. But um, he he has these ideas and these perspectives that he feels so desperately about, uh, cares so desperately about getting across that he does this, you know, any way he can. So long chunks of kind of philosophy and theory. Sometimes there's like dialogue. There's reflective bits, and then there are these text sections of poetry, which are um, beautiful and surprising and tight. It's not a downer. Uh, I swear it's not a downer. It, he, he <laughs> oh, that's what somebody beauty, would say if their book this was a downer. This bravery, and it's a it's a it's a it's a book that you're gonna take slow, but it's also a book that you 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 feel kind of richer having read, having finished. Um, why do you guys think prison literature is like enduring or popular? Like, what's the draw? <laughs> like, it's salacious. Is, is that? I mean, is that it? Is it like, yeah. hey man, I don't want to go to prison, but I would love to hear what it's like inside. Is it just yeah. about like, yeah? Well, I think I do think there's an element of like, kind of like Ian's uh, Midnight Library book, where like I do think the part of the reason it's so compelling is like you just imagine yourself in that situation. Like, I I think okay. Have you ever guys, have you guys ever thought that being in prison might be kind of nice, right? Oh, like, no. like you okay. can read, well, I think you have like a structured time, <laughs> they, like they feed you, like you don't have a lot mm -hmm. to worry about except for like getting shivved in the, the yard. Dementors. <laughs> <laughs> the Dementors, yes, good. Joe, tell the Lidheads what to do. Lidheads, if you want to suggest a theme, maybe prisons in the future, you can head on over to youdon'tknowlitpodcast.com and uh, suggest a book, suggest a theme. Tell your friends. Tell your friends. Tell a bookish friend. Tell a bookish friend. Do prisoners have the ability to listen to podcasts? Maybe that's a market we should really be like. It's our number one fan base. <laughs> <laughs> should we pivot to yeah. prison, prison tips? Prison pod. Prison, prison cast. All of, our, all of our metrics that come out of like Rikers Island, Alcatraz, <laughs> a little island north north of San Francisco. Yeah, <laughs> sad. Okay, um, I'm gonna read it. Thank you, uh, Joe and Nick. Thank you for indulging me. This is a really weird book, and it's hard to talk. It sounds about, great, Ian. I appreciate I mean, you guys. It um, sounds interesting. Not yeah. great. That might make it sound like I like people going to prison, which I I'm not really a fan of. I mean, maybe if they deserve it, but this guy yeah. doesn't sound like he deserved it. I mean, Hitler deserved to go to prison. Hitler, right, to go to prison. right, right. Yeah. Hey, if, litheads, if you recommend, if you recommend uh -oh. prison books, I'm going to call dibs on not reading Mein Kampf. Uh, <laughs> oh no, I don't think we're going to bring that. <laughs> Good. Ever. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to read you a, 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 a slightly kind of slightly longer section to give you a sense of kind of what he's doing with ideas and with imagery and with language. Um, it, it rolls pretty fast, though, so 
This is in a uh, the beginning of a chapter uh, entitled The Flowers Resembling Chamomile. Sitting on a piece of coconut tree, stripped and tossed aside. Sitting on that piece of wood on a starless night, beside the fences, opposite the beach, behind the water tanks. The natural environment is fresh and vibrant with petrichor after a sunset shower. Long white flowers that look like chamomile have grown up all around the strip of wood, as if someone with particular finesse has scattered seeds along the sides of that bit of tree. A few of the flowers have risen in a phenomenal way from under the broken part of the tree. With a gorgeous twisting maneuver, they have raised their heads towards the heavens. I feel there is a special connection between the flowers and the spirit of this coconut tree which has died young. The corpse of the young coconut tree has been chopped down by a merciless saw. It will last out there for years until it rots away, until it deteriorates bit by bit and is absorbed back into the dirt from which it was born. There are other flowers too, a little further away on the other side, near the sewerage drain. The drain protects the flowers because the prisoners are afraid of its filth. No one dares to get close. The area around the drain is so rich in dirt and nutrients that the flowers there grow taller and more vibrant. The grounds are full of flowers that sense the presence of humans. If a human hand approaches their broad, swirling petals, the flowers freeze up and withdraw. For this reason, they are named the sulky flowers. Whenever I reach out my hand to touch them, they frown and retreat into themselves. Moments again, moments later, they slowly and carefully open their petals. I annoy, annoy them again, and again they go back to that same insular position, keeping to themselves. I have never seen this species before. When I sing, I feel they are cognizant that something significant is affecting the world of being. I sense this because they move slowly and delica delicately and raise their heads. During the first days in prison, there were flowers all around the fences and beside the grimy pipes of the kitchen. When the vegetation was wet, it felt as if the jungle had entered the prison. Within only a few weeks, the vegetation and the flowers were annihilated under the footsteps of men. With the disappearance of each flower or piece of vegetation, the prison appeared more barbaric and more brutal. This transformation did not appear to cause even the slightest concern for those walking through the place. During the nights I spend with the flowers resembling chamomile, a smiling youth named Hamid would visit the abandoned place. His smile was a permanent feature. Perhaps he wasn't smiling at all. Perhaps the smile was only a sketch transplanted onto his face due to some life event or series of events. It's hard to discern a genuine smile on the face of this kind of person, though Hamid's smile never suggests inauthenticity. What is important is the smile itself. A smile that says, take heed, take heed of me. This is me. This is me adorned with my jubilee of smiles. The smiling youth is like that, an eternal smile on his chubby face, thick lips, exuberant eyebrows, powerful bones and mus muscles and bone structure. He even smiles at the flowers. And in some instances, he smiles at the fences and at his flip-flops as they perch up on the rigid fence. He is quiet and solitary. When he enters the secluded area of the flowers, he steps with caution. I think that he takes care that his feet do not destroy the flowers resembling chamomile. The calm of each step makes it seem that he knows these flowers. He really does know them. Sometimes he jokes around with them. He strokes the flower heads and the flowers silk as usual, and this amuses him, his joy like a child's. But just like the nights that I experience here in this particular spot, just like the ocean behind the fences, just like the flowers resembling chamomile, the smiling youth is happy. The smiling youth is at peace. 
the smiling youth encounters moments of the sublime. <laughs> <laughs>